what did Joshua do? How did he survive that? Because your glory didn't break out and kill him. He said, my boundary was not set to cause men to not seek me. My boundary was a testing stone to see who was willing to die to know me. God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out his spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring and we equip for that outpouring so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. We have with us a very special guest, Timothy Bentz. And I just know that you are going to be blessed by the thing that God has put on his heart to share with us today. He's going to be with us here at our headquarters, August 26th and 27th, 2022. And we hope that you'll be able to join us. If you can't be with us live, we hope that you'll be with us on our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. And, and today he's going to give us just a, a little taste of what the Lord is speaking to him about that he's going to share when he comes in August. And before we get started, we want to invite you to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, and check out our other podcasts that we have and the events that we have coming up. And you can sign up for our email list so that you can know what we're doing and read our writings and that sort of thing, where you can go to look at our bookstore and uh, donate and, and help us to stay on this network. So we're, we're really grateful that you've joined us today, Brother Timothy. We are, we're just excited. Um, I, I just learned about you about six months ago, and I've been trying to find you ever since and found you all over YouTube and various places and some of the things that were shared. Uh, but when I first heard something about you and something from you, um, it was a recording, and I remembered that there was a story that was told uh, around our our dinner table. Um, I guess maybe you had a, a newsletter or something that was that was sent out telling a story, and I remembered that story when I heard you retell it on on this recording. So I've just been tracking you and and uh, looking for forward to the opportunity when we could get together. So here we are on this podcast, and I, I we just welcome you. We're so glad yeah. that you're with us. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. I, I have that actually happen quite a bit where somebody says, I heard about you, and then later it showed up again. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tell people I'm famous, but I hadn't figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I have loved about um, about listening to the things that you've had to say and, and how the Holy Spirit has been using you through the years um, I, I, I can just, I can detect the humility that, that is in Jesus is operating in you and, and that you're just walking in obedience to him. And that's so, so key in our hearts because that's how this ministry got started was, was by obedience. So, um, tell us a little bit about, uh, about your childhood and how the Lord got you started in following him. I was going to say, it's fortunate you met me when I'm older, because I wasn't that way with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that's the way it is for most of us. But there's hope for everybody. We can all get there. Yes. Amen. Gosh, my, my life has been so full of experience that God created. I uh, 
when I was younger, I used to ask him often, like, why do you do this with me? I, I discovered not very long into my childhood that most of the body of Christ wasn't having the kinds of experiences that I was. And it, and it bothered me greatly because mm-hmm. I thought it can't be because I'm special because I know how wicked my little heart is. Uh, but I kept just asking Jesus that question, and he finally said, why can't I do what I want to do? Mm-hmm. He didn't really give me a full answer at that time. He just said, I, I can't stand not being with you because I love you. Oh. But I told him I was bothered by the fact that so many people weren't having um, real intimate encounters with him and testimonies that I heard of you know, signs and wonders and miracles didn't always include face-to-face, and I wanted to know why. I had a face-to-face with him and others weren't. Hmm. He just said it had to do with the condition of my heart. you know. But in one way, it was very interesting because he made it very clear to me that it wasn't because I was special or because I had done some things. You know, it, it was because he knew when I showed up um, and prayed that he was listening. But he also wanted me to know that when he showed up, I would obey. I would I would go where he wanted, and that was the determination that it was clear he made before I knew that I had that in me. And it seems to be a prerequisite for some things that God wants that he he may work with us for a long time to get us to that place, and then show up. Hmm. But if you already have that, then he'll come. And I think the verse that that relates with mostly is like, "Blessed are the pure in heart." Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't see what I did to get a pure heart because I did not pray for that or ask for that or uh, I'm not, maybe I was born with it, but but that was something that he validated. We said this is why I showed you my face. Yeah. Hmm. But that's sort of the topic of what I wanted to share today too, because it's not that some people are special and they're picked out to have these encounters with God and everybody else is left out. It's more we just don't understand our own condition, and our condition's always changeable. But because we don't always know what's going on in our heart, then God has to really work with us somewhat in the dark for us to get us to a place where he can do more of what he's promised to do. Every once in a while you get somebody that has a phenomenal, amazing encounter, and they testify it. And when they give the testimony, most of the time it comes out as, I had this encounter with God. Instead of let me help you have this too. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so it, it's not on purpose, but it tends to lift that person up in our eyes and make us think that they're special or that, or that they're so anointed God's doing something with them that he won't do with us. Mm-hmm. And it's just the opposite. You know, I mean, it really is just the opposite. There is a, there are conditions that are required for the protocols of heaven and for the protocols of glory. And I wish we had a lot more teaching about what those are, because then at the end of the day, everyone would discover that they're qualified and that God wants to do that with them. Um, For example, in Old Testament, Moses was credited with being a prophet, and he had this profound walk with God that was face to face. He was scary in one way to many of the people because he had been with God. His face glowed. Mm -hmm. That would have been a sight. He would have looked like an alien to us. Yeah. His prayer wasn't, oh, God, take me deeper. His prayer was, oh, I would that God would make all of his people prophets. Mm -hmm. And we don't have an answer in the Old Testament of God saying, okay, that's a good idea. 
we have the answer in Acts 2, where the Spirit was poured out yes. on everyone, even the children and the handmaidens and the servants. They all prophesied. It was an answer to his prayer. Yes. But it took a generation uh, or two, you know, a few uh, <laughs> years to work on that so that God could enable a, a body on the earth to walk in his power. So I've been, I've been exploring that same thing. So I, I have a very similar testimony uh, where at six years old, I saw Jesus face to face. And when I saw him, it catapulted my life into a completely different childhood than what I probably would have had. It was amazing and incredible, but it also, it ruined my normal. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and I'm glad it did, but it, I could not be a normal child after that. I had to pursue that. I credit my father a lot with this because my earthly father, um, he was an amazing man of God, not widely known, but very well respected by everybody that knew him. And my father was a Baptist minister, and he did not have any kind of testimony of being able to hear God in a one-on-one way or being able to have a heavenly type encounter, vision, or prophecy. He would, he would have said, I never have had that kind of experience. But he was a man of the word. He, he lived and walked out the word of God. And at six years old, when I sat at the kitchen table and I shared with my parents what had just happened to me all night long with Jesus, my dad's face looked a little funny at first because he was grappling with the idea that his son had, had possibly seen God. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't exactly have that in his di- in his uh, theological package. Hmm. Yeah, um, I think I think every good Baptist believes things like that. They just don't know how it works because they can't read their Bible and not see those kinds of encounters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they often have been taught that it doesn't happen in our day because right. they yeah. don't know it. Uh-huh. So my father didn't really argue. He didn't, but he made just for a second. He made a little face that that could have gone that way. And had he gone into his theology or into his unbelief at that moment, he could have ruined me. Mm -hmm. He did not do it, though. He looked me right in the eye and he said, son, I've never had an experience like that, but I believe in Jesus. I've never heard God's voice like that, but I believe that he does speak to to people. I've, I've never felt like I had a vision or a prophetic thing. I'm not even sure it still happens today. But he said, here's all I can tell you, is no matter what God shows you, always go deeper. And no matter what he says to you, always ask for more. Beautiful. Those words catapulted me into the Spirit. Wow. Hmm. 20 years later, I was in the heavenly realm sitting at Jesus' right hand. My father was still alive, but Jesus took me back in time to that moment. He said, I just want to relive a little moment with you so you may, you, you see what happened on my end, you know? Wow. And uh, it's like he just reround the tape of my life, and we were back on that day and that hour sitting at the kitchen table. And I watched the scene again like I remembered it. And then he says, here's what happened up here in the heavenly realms. Hmm. And your father said that to you. It set off a party in heaven. Wow. <laughs> Glory to God. Jesus himself stood up on his throne and leapt and jumped and shouted oh and was just giddy with joy because 
Now he had a son he could work with on the earth who would not say no to him. Mm. That was his words. Wow. Wow. And he blessed my father because my father that day handed me over to Jesus. Beautiful. Um, From that moment on, though, I, after, you know, I was 26 at the time, I realized that my life's still not going to be normal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they say normal is a setting on a dryer. (laughs) (laughs) I gave gave up on normal. And and now I I thank God it's not because I definitely would want to that. But uh, anyway, the first time I heard Jesus, I was two years old. Wow. And uh, it was just a precious moment. He sat on a swing set and talked to me for about 45 minutes. Wow. And in that encounter, he, he let me know what my name meant. Uh, he let me know that he created me. And he gave me a, about a 20-minute understanding of how um, botany works. He, he explained how a flower grew. It was sitting at my feet. He explained how it grew and uh, how he created it and how much he loved it. And uh, he said he told me that, not because I asked, but because he saw in my heart that I loved that flower. Mm-hmm. Years later, my first encounter in the heavens where I started understanding uh, my own part of the city of God that, that I dwell in, and I, I saw the spot that he was creating just for me. He had transported that little flower into a, a large field that had nothing in it. That was the only thing growing in the field. Mm. And when I saw it, I knew it was the same flower. So I asked him, how did this happen? What What did you do? And he said, well, I could tell that you loved that flower so much. As a little child, you protected it. You weren't kicking it. You weren't, you, you were swinging on the swing and being very careful not to damage it. And when I told you how I grew it, you loved it even more. So he said, so I gave it an eternal existence. Beautiful. Mm. Wow. Beautiful. Uh, I still learn things from that little flower when I go in the heavenly realms, but I just, I don't know how to explain it fully, but it's just uh, what we see in the heavens is so much more than what we can comprehend. Anyway, back down on the earth side, I, I started gaining a tremendous appreciation for creation and for everything that God says it does. And, uh, by the time I was six then, I was already pursuing him. I was already pondering a lot, reading the scriptures a lot. I, I learned how to read on the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so when, when I was six and Jesus showed up and I saw his face, it, it did not seem abnormal to me. I thought at that moment, I thought he does this with everybody. Mm-hmm. The truth is he wants to do that with everybody. Amen. Yes, amen. He doesn't, but he wants to, you know, and... We, we can fix the reason why he does it. Teach us. The, the other thing I want to credit just just real quickly is that uh, it wasn't just because of my dad. It wasn't just because of my, my heart either. Um, one of the promises in Scripture that if you speak this blessing in Numbers chapter 6 over the children of Israel, they, they will receive it, that God will surely do it. And so that, that blessing is, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. Well, somewhere back there, some of my ancestors that really knew Jesus, they had spoken blessings over the household, and it had come down to me like an inheritance. Amen. I'm convinced that all the glory that I've been privileged to walk out has a lot to do with what my ancestors sent forward for the household. And uh, I think every generation needs to be thinking about 
the children that are going to come into the house uh, two or three generations down and bless them before they're even born or thought about. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that that blessing fell on my head, and that was the main reason why I saw Jesus. And it's certainly the reason why he has kept me. He's not let me stray far from him. He shows up to make sure I, you know, if I try to go the wrong way, he catches me quickly. <laughs> I love <laughs> I don't, him. I don't get away with it. Praise uh, God. Praise God. So being mindful of our time, I, I'd like to just ask you to jump into what what is it that the Lord has put on your heart for these meetings that are coming up in August? Well, there's, there's a sense of... Um, expectancy, I think, that is throughout the body of Christ right now. And at the same time, it's sort of being counterweighted with hope that's almost been deferred too long. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I know what you mean. Much of the body of Christ has prayed and prayed and prayed and, and sought God and fasted and, and, and been prophesied to you that there's going to be a move of God. And everybody expected it to break out in our sanctuaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's a good thing. It may still happen that way. But at the same time, I started looking in scriptures at where God showed up, where outpourings happened, how they looked, and what he did to set them up. And they're quite different than what we have understood and possibly even what we've preached. I'm not saying we're doing it wrong, but I think our thinking has been a little bit wrong. So, so we have an expectancy of God to do something the way we have processed it and thought it should happen. <laughs> and unknowingly, then, we're imposing on a holy, righteous God to come on our terms. Mm-hmm. To we, we want you to show up because you promised you would, but we want you to show up in a way that we can control and understand, and it fits in the thing we're already doing for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And almost, almost without fail throughout history, God never showed up that way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He always showed up unexpectedly. He, sometimes it seems like a suddenly... Uh, it always has someone that's seeking him and calling out to him. Right. But they're usually not the one that gets credit for it in history. <laughs> yeah. Generally, the leader that rides that wave and publishes it is the one that has gotten credit in history. The the little granny on the floor Come or the, the last sinner to repent, their name isn't always recorded when the glory breaks up. Right. Uh-huh. And yet they're part of the multi-leveled lock that has to be turned in order for the door to open. Amen. And so we, we, we rightfully credit leaders with what they deserve, but we often have left out uh, someone that we would have considered insignificant and despised, but God considered them so full of desire for him that he, that they're the reason he showed up. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that said, that's why the meek are important. That's why the, the mm-hmm. humble are important, because the brokenhearted, the ones that have that have just lost it and nothing has worked right for them, they're the one of the key ingredients. Absolutely. For but they're usually the ones that we try to, you know, casually say, you need to go find another ministry. We don't want to handle you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Maybe that doesn't happen with you guys, but that's been the common in some way. Well, it, it has to do with, with God's definition of normal. Yes, it's also he's drawn to that, and we don't understand that about him. Um, so we often think that he's drawn to activity, and we're doing something really wonderful for him, but he's always actually drawn to heart. Yes. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed, you know, the brokenhearted shall be lifted up. The, the, the ones that have 
you know, been devastated are the ones that he will come and repair. Mm-hmm. Even those that don't know him, he came and fixed the problem because we sinned and don't know him. Yeah. He didn't wait for us to try to figure out a way to fix the problem. He came and fixed it for us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. So yes. understanding revival that way has, has changed my perspective a little bit. That So now I look for the ones who are despised. I look for the ones that everybody else is left out in the city. I, I look for the woman at the well. I look for the, the, the leper that nobody wants to hang out with. Uh, the homeless person sitting at the gate often is the key to break open the whole city. Wow. Um, wow. And I'm discovering that every time I find one of those people, not necessarily meaning every homeless person or every person that has that condition, but every time I find one that God has their eyes on, they actually are carrying something they don't know they have. They, they have a gift from God that is as, as if, if they'll speak the right word, he will answer. Mm-hmm. But they're continually given a different word or a different condition. So uh, here's the the way I explain that best. Uh, Moses, for instance, we credit him uh, down through history. He's the man that went up the mountain. He saw God. He spent you know, weeks up there with the holy ones. Uh, he, he saw God write the word of God with his finger. Mm-hmm. But we forget that when he had his first encounter with God, he had fled Egypt. He had murdered someone. He didn't know who he was anymore. He had lost his identity. He had lost his place in in society. He had become shunned and utterly tossed out. He could not go back without God doing something miraculous for him. Wow. In that condition, not even knowing how he was going to survive, you know, he wanders through the desert looking for a new home. And he finds an extraordinary family that takes him in. And doesn't just take him in, treats him like a son, yes. turns over mm-hmm. their sheep to him, marries their daughter to him. Mm-hmm. That's an extraordinary human being. Mm-hmm. We should be honoring Jethro more than we honor Moses. Because <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. When Moses was not desirable, when he was not lovable, when he had ruined his life with, with his own plan. Wow. And in that condition, the man took him into his house and blessed him. But then something amazing happened. God shows up nearby. Mm-hmm. This is always the way it works, is when one human being does something correct towards another, God always shows up nearby. Uh-huh. He doesn't always come into the room. Yeah. He doesn't always make himself known. He just shows up nearby because he inhabits those that walk in his ways. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I pay attention to the one that's despised and do the kind of thing that he would do, he shows up nearby. Wow. So when Jethro honors Moses in his tent, the fire begins to burn on the mountain nearby. Mm-hmm. We don't see that parallel very often when we read it. We read the text as Moses saw a burning bush and he goes up the mountain. But when did the bush start burning? Yeah. It started burning because of the heart of Jethro and his household. Beautiful. All right. So in that sense, somebody had to prepare the spot for a move of God by just maintaining a, a righteous and pure heart, even though they don't get credit in Scripture with having the encounter on the top of the mountain, they're the reason it was there. Yes. That household was stewarding the land for God correctly, and they're the reason the fire was burning on the mountain. Amen. Now, that said, they probably could have gone up and seen it too, 
Mm. But they didn't, as far as we have scripture. Wow. They saw it from afar. Mm. This is the way the majority of the body of Christ doesn't think they're qualified to go up and have a face-to-face with God. Wow. Even if they witness it, they'll stay a little bit away, just far enough to see it and think that it's glory and be thrilled with the experience. But but it takes someone extraordinary to go up the mountain when you don't know what it is and you don't understand it, and it looks like it could kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Moses, though, this is the key, I think, that God's wanting us to understand right now, is he turned into the glory when it was but a matchstick on top of the mountain. Wow. When it was small and seemingly insignificant and no one else that he could find had gone up to actually inspect it. They just all knew that sometimes God was sitting on that mountain. Hmm. He can't leave it there. He can't. He doesn't want the rest of his testimony to be, I saw a burning bush on the top of a mountain. Hmm. He's got to go up and see what it is. Wow. And that willingness to just turn into it when it's but a breath or a slight breeze, or something that God just did that you've never seen before and don't understand, and it blows up your theology. Yeah. At that moment, you make a decision whether you're going to have a face-to-face with God or not. You don't know yeah. you're making that decision. You're just curious, and you're willing to transcend what you do know to go see something that goes beyond. But because he went up the mountain, as soon as he's near he begins to hear. Now, we, we have no record in Scripture that Moses heard anything from God up to that point in his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at that point, he hears, take off your shoes. The place where you're standing is holy. There's one more condition he has to pass before he can come closer. He's got to be tested to see if he will respect and honor the holiness. Yeah. If he just wants to be familiar with God, and if he responds saying, I'm the son of a king, and I'm the rightful heir of Egypt, who are you to tell me to take my shoes off? Mm. If he had done that, he would have gone back down the mountain, probably with a sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. But he steps into the holiness by taking off the probably the last piece of royalty that he was wearing. Wow. I mean, we forget what kind of sandals he probably had. They were the ones he didn't want to get rid of. Wow. (laughs) He had shoes that would outlast anybody in the day. (laughs) I suppose that's true. Wow. Never thought of that. I'm extrapolating a little bit there from myself. But but I I, I know the the type of person that has fled from wealth or fled from, uh, you know, a very influential family. They always hold on to one little thing that reminds them who they were and, and where they were. Mm. And so I think when he took off his shoes, he was taking Egypt off. Wow. That's At that moment, though, he has fully turned into the glory. Mm. And by that, I mean his heart now is fully engaged. God can do whatever he wants now. And that's the key, that God wants to do these things, but he is not able to to reveal himself fully if we don't meet a couple of very small conditions. Hmm. The first condition is just curiosity. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. If if it's near, I'm going to jump in. Yeah. The second is I'm going to do something in my heart that, that's, I can't put into words and I don't know how to pray, but I'm screaming in my heart that I want to know God. 
Yes, that's it. Screaming in silence, sometimes with pain and sometimes with adversity. But God hears that as a prayer. Yes. And the the third requisite is the moment you're near, the moment the glory is just just a whisper of appearing. You go down. And when you go down, then God lifts you up. That's it. So take off your shoes. You know, why is it holy? Why is that spot holy? From the expression that he would have had or from the, uh, the testimony he would have had from others that lived in that area, from the tents of Jethro, there was nothing on the outer appearance of that mountain that would make it holy. It's holy because God is there. Right. That's what makes it holy. And we do sometimes want to attribute holiness or, or honor or respect to a place instead of to a person. Mm. And so sometimes we have done that with our sanctuaries. We, we call the sanctuary holy. But when Jesus is not in the sanctuary, it's just a building. Right. When, when David said this, King David, when he said, this is the house of God, and I knew it not. He wasn't standing in a glorious temple. He wasn't standing in his own house. He wasn't standing in a place that had been sanctified and declared holy. He wasn't standing in front of the ark of God. He was standing in a threshing floor that didn't look like anything significant on the outer appearance. But the reason why it was the house of God is because Jesus himself was standing in the floor. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. My definition of church has changed over the years. It's it's kind of fits this pattern. It's like no, no Jesus, no church. You know, uh-huh. no no presence. Uh, I, I won't call what's his if his presence is not validating it. Right. Oh wow. Yeah. That's now that said, I think where we're at right now is we're at this place as the body of Christ where Moses was when he saw the bush burning. Mm-hmm. He just knew in his heart something something holy is happening up there. I need to go find out what it is. Yeah. And he makes a decision to leave the sheep, to leave his his father-in-law's house, to to leave his wife alone for a little bit, to, you know, probably didn't grab a friend and take them with him. All we know is he went up there <laughs> not alone. It must have been at an inconvenient time also because he had duties to do for the household. True. He had sheep under his care. If you think about that as a modern-day shepherd, how many modern day shepherds will leave their sheep to go have a face to face with God? Mm-hmm. We're not praying for that. We're praying for God to show up in our shepherding. Oh my! And we don't know that He might require me to leave everything in order to have that with God. And then when I do, I will, I will shepherd well from that point forward in my life. Yes. But if I'm not willing to risk the sheep so that I can see Jesus, then my eyes are always going to be on the sheep, and I'm always going to have my back turned to God. Oh, my. Wow. Oh my. But if I turn my back on the sheep, I might be able to see him. And if I ever see him, he becomes the chief shepherd, the chief shepherd over the sheep. Yes. Yeah. And then I get repositioned. I'll take up my position in the rear so I can watch the sheep from the rear, and he right. can lead them from the front. Amen. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what the move of God is going to look like. And we're not quite ready for it because we've been saying to God, we want you to come under our conditions. We want you to come into what we're already doing for you. And we want you to fill it with your glory and let everybody in the earth know that we're doing a good job for you. Wow. Instead, he's saying, come out here with me. Be still and know that I'm God. Let me rearrange everything. Mm-hmm. And after I fixed your heart and rearranged everything, then I will give you back everything that I've promised you. You're not going to lose anything. 
Right. You're just laying it down for a moment so you can come up the mountain and turn into the glory. Beautiful. Now, here's what's fascinating. Because Moses did that and turned into it and had his encounter, he gets more than a testimony. He gets enabled by God to finish the rest of his life with glory. Yeah. Beautiful. And when he returns to that spot, after running this errand in Egypt for the living, for the Holy One, <laughs> I like that. It's no longer a burning bush. It's yeah. the cloud of Father God that breaks open the heavens and descends and sits on the mountain with fire and thundering and lightning, yes. and the whole wow. earth shakes at His name that's now standing on it. Mm -hmm. Wow! Because he turned in the, the glory when it was but a little burning bush, he gets to stand in the glory when it's the whole cloud and all of heaven has touched the earth again. Amen. Oh, my, my. It's the same place. But what we, what we, I think we've been doing for quite a season here is we've been praying for the cloud to come down, for the glory to show up, and we've not had our processing done correctly with the burning bush. Mm. Wow. So even though we're hoping and praying for something God wants to do, uh, we don't understand the protocol enough to know that if I if I take off my shoes at the right moment, if I do what God says when it seems small and insignificant and nobody else is around and nobody's going to credit me with anything, hmm. then I can return into the glory and the whole package comes down and touches the earth. Amen. Mm. Wow. But Moses wasn't qualified for the cloud of father until he had walked that out correctly with the with just the something that seemed odd and might not have even been God. It might have just been a natural phenomenon he was looking at. Mm -hmm. But when he hears the voice and he takes off his shoes, he sets up the earth for a massive encounter with the Holy One. Amen. Mm, wow. And then he's not just privileged to go have that encounter with Father God and go into the cloud. He's privileged to bring a whole nation to it. Yes. Amen. I, I think that's a little snapshot of what God's going to repeat in our day. It, it may not be a bush burning on top of a single mountain, but it is something like that where God will ask something small of, of someone that seems insignificant. And, and in an unpublished way, he will touch the earth just enough to transform you. Hmm. And if you then walk out that transforming, then you're going to see the mountains come down with glory again. Beautiful. Mm. Hallelujah. So I think your spot is one of those places on the earth that God has chosen that he's going to show up. Amen. We're but expecting that. Again, we often don't realize he's probably already showing up. Oh, yes. <laughs> but not in the way that we've been expecting, so we don't know how to publish it. We don't know how to testify about it yet. We, we don't even know how significant it may be. But what is he already doing? He's he's always near. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. True. So one of the things that I'm convinced of that's going on right now is very often Jesus is in the room and we don't give him the oh. honor that is due him because we can't see him yet. Mm. And yet we're not standing on the promise that he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So every time I'm in the room, he's in the room. Yes. Now, what does that actually look like from heaven's side? If I'm in the room 
and I can't see him and I can't hear him. So therefore, I think I'm not in the glory. And then I begin to press and fast and pray and call out for the glory to come. It's a denying of what he has actually said. Oh, my. Now, we don't do that intentionally, and I'm not saying that's correct to anybody. I'm just saying that heaven processes that differently because they're standing with full understanding of the word, and we're trying to process something God said, but we can't see it yet. So we fall short of the glory. Ouch. What it means to, to fall short of the glory is I don't know how to give him the honor that's due him when it doesn't look like I want it to look. Mm. But in those moments when it doesn't look like God has shown up yet and nothing miraculous is happening, in that moment if someone takes off their shoes and calls him holy when he's still unseen and honors and reveres his name with no evidence, mm -hmm. that's what yeah. opens the heavens. Beautiful. One more thing. Um, Moses probably was a puddle on the floor in front of the burning <laughs> Yeah, I would think. Yet by the time it's the cloud of glory that comes down with Father God's presence that's so off the charts, the whole nation said, don't let don't let him ever speak to us like that again. You, you go talk to him. Come back mm. and tell him. Yeah. We yeah. have one other little testimony in Scripture that's very important for understanding how God wants this move of God to live. And this is very hard to understand, so I'm just going to cover it quickly. You'll have to go read the scriptures and see if I'm right. But God, before he sat on the mountain and began to make himself known to the whole nation at Sinai, he says to Moses, put a boundary up, set mm -hmm. a boundary. Don't let anybody touch the mountain, not even the cattle. Keep them off the mountain lest they die, lest my mm -hmm. glory breaks out upon them and they die. God always sets a boundary. He's very much uh, understanding of what happens in our heart when we know there's a boundary. And right now we have a boundary that we have set for God. We have told God very clearly we want you to come the way we expect it and in the place that we expect it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And God has decided most of the time to not respect our boundary because he'll come the way he wants and he'll come where he wants and it will spill over on us if we're watching. Yes. He doesn't always honor the boundaries that we've set. Mm -hmm. he, he will if it's according to his word, but when we, it's our idea, it's usually not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So when he set the boundary, though, there's just an assumption by almost everybody I know that has ever read this that, that he expected that to be honored. Yeah. Even the cattle mm -hmm. were going to survive if they crossed over that fence. Yeah. And yet we have a record in Scripture of one man who violated that boundary, and he went up the mountain part way when Moses went up. Mm -hmm. all the way. Yeah, Joshua. He hid in the cleft of the rock when Moses was on top of the mountain. He doesn't say a word, but he survives. He goes up, and he comes back down alive. And everyone in the nation knew he had violated the boundary. Mm -hmm. And God doesn't oh. mention his name, doesn't say anything, but he is the God who sees. Mm -hmm. So later, mm -hmm. I, I began to really press into this place with God. I wanted to encounter Mount Sinai. I wanted to, I wanted to go into Father God's cloud. I was praying into that, saying, Jesus, I, I want you to, to, to pick me up and carry me into Father's cloud.
Mm. I want to have a face-to-face with Father the way I have. I know you and the Father are one, but I want to see the distinction of what Moses saw in the cloud. And when I asked for that, Jesus said, just just off the chart, and he just said, you're just like Joshua. <laughs> and he laughed. He's like, you're just like Joshua. And he laughed. <laughs> and I said, I explain that, Jesus. What did Joshua do? How did he survive that? Because your glory didn't break out and kill him. He said, my boundary was not set to cause men to not seek me. My boundary was a testing stone to see who was willing to die to know me. Ooh. He said, jo- Joshua was the only one that passed that test. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's why he was chosen to be the next leader. Wow. Now, in the natural, we would say that was rebellious, that was disobedient. Uh, he didn't listen to what God said. But we do need to increase our discernment a little bit to know when God is saying no and when God is testing us. Yes. There is a difference in the tone of his speech when he says, do not do this, you know, and it's something that will be detrimental if we do it. And when when he says, you know, this is the condition, here's the clue. He's like, if you violate this boundary, my glory will break out upon you and you will die. Hmm. If you read that in the original ancient Hebrew, he's not actually saying, don't do it. He's saying, if you do it, you'll die. Wow. Wow. Mm, 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 so the choice to violate the boundary is I want him more than death. Yes. Wow. And if it kills me, I'm still going to go into the glory. Well, I got news for everyone that's praying for the glory. It will kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It is a death, not always the natural, but you will never be the same. Right. Yeah. So all the things you don't like about yourself are going to die. <laughs> oh. Well, that sounds good. (laughs) All all the things that other people don't like about you probably are going to die too. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But when God's done with you, and you'll be qualified to stand in the glory. You won't be a puddle on the floor every time he shows up. You'll be able to stand in the fire and talk with God. That's what he would like for all of us to be able to do. Mm. How are we going to spend eternity with him if we can't practice that a little bit before, while we're still on the earth? Amen. Yes. Amen. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I want to just leave you with that. That this, I think that right now you already have the burning bush. You already have some some things going on often enough to say God's showing up here, and He's answering our prayers. And when we have a whisper of the glory, that is always here. Yeah. I'm not mm. saying that in the insignificant way. A whisper Mm -hmm. is enough to transform the whole earth. But we have to understand that God always comes twice when he's doing something for his own name. He comes first in a way that can't be seen and understood very easily. And then Mm -hmm. he comes again in the full package. Beautiful. So if if I catch Mm -hmm. the whisper or the burning bush or the just the the breath of God when he's near then I'm more qualified to be able to stand in the glory when the when the fire is fully sitting on the mountain and the cloud of glory is surrounding the whole place. Um, Beautiful. And when I've been praying about you guys, I keep seeing the pillar of fire. Hmm. And the the pillar of fire is a little different. It's not the burning bush, but it is an angel of the presence. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
who wow. comes to lead us into the place that he wants. The, yes. That angel was a threshold angel that took them across the Jordan into the uh, promised land. It was also the one that stayed with them all the way outside of as they left Egypt. They're following yeah. the pillar of fire and the cloud by day. Yeah. So the angel looks like a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. Yeah. Wow. If you see the pillar of fire, you, you might not know the cloud's the same angel. Mm. If you see the little cloud, it wouldn't look that significant. It would look like all the other clouds in the sky, except that it's moving in exact unison with God. Amen. Wow. So if I learn to recognize the difference between it and the other clouds, now it, it brings me into the timing so that I'm now in pace with what God is doing. Amen. And once I position my heart to be, I'm going to first turn in the glory because I see it, and now I'm going to pace myself with it, then it takes me to the place where we get the full measure. Wow. Amen. And uh, I think you're very close to that. So, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Thank we're you, we're excited about you coming, and uh, you know this has just whetted our appetite for <laughs> um, for for what God wants to do. Uh, we've been pressing in for the glory for many many years here, and um, you know our founder Gwen Shaw was always she was a revivalist. You know, everywhere she went, revival fire fell, and and she was pressing in for the big one and you know that's that's what hasn't fully come yet uh, mm-hmm. we've we've but we've seen it for years in in the the mercy drops around us are falling but for the showers <laughs> we plead you know we're but not just showers we're looking for Niagara Falls and and even even that is a small version of what God wants to do in the earth is the outpouring of his spirit is what we're pressing in for so and contending for and equipping for and and I trust that God is going to use you to help us to equip and help us to contend in a way that we will really experience that outpouring. And yeah. and uh, I, I love what you're talking about about the protocols that uh, that we need to follow so that we're aligned with the kingdom of God and aligned with His heart. I just feel like um, I feel like God is going to open His heart to us in a way that that uh, we haven't. We haven't experienced yet in in fullness, and and uh, so that's that's what I'm expecting when you come August twenty sixth and twenty seventh. I want to leave you with one little thing. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That, that date, no, uh, everybody needs to know that because I, I think this is not going to be a meeting like other other meetings, and I'm I'm not coming just because I need another place to speak. Uh, both on your side and on my side, we really do believe that if the if the people come that God is telling to come, we're going to have a damn break. Mm. Oh, praise God. And so mm. that's not just obedience of the speakers or you guys to host it. It's it's the people that God is wanting to come have to mm-hmm. get in their, you know, make their way there. And sometimes it's like a soup that God is putting. And if, if one piece is not willing to go in the pan, then we don't get the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just want to encourage everybody that's listening. If you feel compelled to come, don't come to hear me. Come because God's saying he wants you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The last thing I'd like to leave you with, though, is that this idea of being sta- able to stand in the glory, that uh, in the past moves of God that have happened in recorded history, 
we have quite a few that have touched this part of the earth. You know, we've got two great awakenings back there. We've got the Moravian revival. We've got uh, something happened really amazing in Pensacola, not very far back. Something happened in Toronto, not very far back. Um, those two things I don't, I don't want to, you know, despise or endorse. I just want to say that whenever there is any kind of inkling that God showed up somewhere and somebody begins to publicize that, it's important to at least ask Jesus, what were you doing? Hmm. And um, hmm. whether I agree with it or not, I want to know what was God doing in it. And because uh, people are drawn to Jesus when he's doing something. Amen. And the thing that I've noticed in that in almost every recorded history of revival, it's usually an overwhelming outpouring of evangelism where lots of people get saved, or it's an uh, outpouring of uh, miracles, signs, and wonders, and the things that cause people to get saved and set healed and free, especially healing and miracles. Those two things don't always run together. Sometimes one comes and it's almost everybody gets saved, and sometimes another, it's almost always miraculous things. But I would say that when the Holy Spirit comes, Almost always we see these signs and wonders. When Jesus' presence is overwhelming, everybody gets saved. When they come together, we get both. Mm -hmm. But what we have not seen yet that I think is planned for our lifetime is an outpouring where Father God shows up to. Amen. Yeah. And if you think of everything that we know about Jesus wrapped up in some wonderful way that gets everybody saved, and then another, everything we know about the Holy Spirit that gets wrapped up in uh, no matter what's broken in you, it gets fixed. And no matter what's sick, it gets healed. And, you know, and no matter what you've not been able to do in the past, you're empowered to do now. You know, that's that's the full package of both of them. But what does Father God want to do in the earth if he was given credit in history for an outpouring like one we've never seen before? Mm. I think it's the answer oh. to Jesus's prayer in John 16. Mm -hmm. yeah. May you be in them as you have been in me. Amen. Yeah. So I, everyone that I know that has been having heavenly encounters or has testimonies similar to mine where they've gone up in the heavens, and they've seen a lot. Uh, I want to just encourage all of you that have that in your testimony. My prayer right now, and I ask you, you to agree with me, is I want to give Father God the same level of access to my city that he's given me to his. Ooh, yes. Wow. I, I don't Powerful. want to just see everybody that I know be able to go into the heavens and have an encounter with them. That's wonderful. But I want the gates of my city to open up for the king of glory to come in. Amen. Yeah, amen. And so he's given us full access to the heavenly realms. We can sit down on the right hand of our king. We can converse with angels. We can hear God clearly. We can have uh, an eternal existence with him now because of everything he's done. And yet in many cities, they are still locked up to the glory. Mm -hmm. The king of glory is not in being invited in. Wow. And so I want to encourage those that know him to go stand in the gates of your city and command those gates to open up for the king of glory. Amen. Mm. Amen. My prayer is whatever it takes to save every man, woman, and child in this place, 
let it be done and let the honor go to Father God this time. Yes, amen. Because he's coming. I think in this last great outpouring, he's coming as the cloud again. He's coming as the, the presence of the creator and father himself. He's going to sweep the nations into his glory. And then he's going to hand us as an inheritance over to his son. Mm. And this mm. particular yeah. move of God, then, if I'm right, is not just going to have the cloud of Father God as the evidential part of what distinctly makes it what he wants, but it's also going to have the zeal of God on such a level to give the nations to Jesus because Father God has never made a promise and not kept it. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. So I, I believe that we're about to see some oh. things break open in different parts of the world, and the, the anointing that will be in them will be to, to every knee bow, every man, woman, and child saved. Uh, and whole cities become handed over to the living God, and then yes. nations will be given over to him. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. So that little spot in Arkansas is important because Father's got Amen. it. <laughs> Amen. You know yeah, while you were talking. Oh, we're delighted yeah. that you're coming. Uh, when you were talking about about Father, um, I was reminded of what it says in the in the Greek text for Acts uh, chapter two, where you know Peter is is repeating what was said in Joel two twenty eight, um, where it says, "I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh." which is our theme scripture. Um, but in, in, the, in the Greek, it says, I will pour out of the spirit of me. Yeah. And that's what we want. We want our Father's spirit. Our, he's our creator, but he's not just our creator in terms of, you know, like a manufacturer. He is our Father. And we've so missed that in so many ways. And that's, that's what he wants. He wants to pour out his fatherness upon us as well. Yeah, I think Hallelujah. the anointing we'll end up with in this one that uh, they'll, all the things we've seen in the past revivals will be wrapped up in the same package again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I we're going to so. get more of Jesus. We're going to get more of the Holy Spirit too. Amen. But when Father God is wrapped up in it and he knows how to give honor to whom honor is due, he knows how to create. So instead of just fixing what's broken, he can create. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And what we've never comprehended, I think, fully is how important his name is yes. for the inheritance that he's promised to give to his son. That yeah. in order for the nations to be handed over as a treasured gift to Jesus, we are going to have to come into the name first. Because God, God as a father does not give broken gifts. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to give to his son, who, who now has a name above every name and more honor, glory, and majesty than anything that's ever been created. He doesn't want to give him a broken nation. Mm-hmm. No. Just like he wouldn't want to give you some precious little porcelain gift and it be broken when you unwrap it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's good. I like but that. He's going to bring the nations into his name. Yes. And fix us on a level we don't even know how to ask for, and then we're going to become a treasured gift to the king. Amen. So I I think this move of God is going to be like none other, but the the only glimpse I think we've had of it in Scripture is is Mount Sinai. 
Yes. That the glory of God is going to touch the earth again like it did in Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. And that's where he revealed to Moses his name. Right. And he shouted, he roared it. But then the first thing he, that first things that he says about himself are that, that he has that he has tender mercies and and he's you know he, he just reveals all these loving things about himself before he ever talks about judgment absolutely it, it is judgment it's still judgment mm-hmm. it's but we but, think but judgment there's like is seven, bad. And, and all judgment right. means is that father god's making a really good decision because he doesn't know how to make any bad decisions right 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 <laughs> yeah. and and it's 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 weighing so heavily on the the mercy side right i love it I love yeah. it. It's beautiful. So, well, we're yeah. going to have a glory time when you come. Yeah, same. Hallelujah. I think, again, the, the biggest key is nobody should think that they're not significant. You, you may be the one that turns the key. And all through history, it's the one we didn't think was important. It's the one we yeah. didn't really think mattered. When that person called out to him, he answered. Beautiful. So that that pattern, I think, has got to be more understood. That part of that is the humility that I've had to learn. Again, I want to say clearly, I did not. Have, I wasn't born with it. I had to learn that, and I had to learn it by every time I got near him. I had to go down again, and then go down again, then go down again. Not because mm-hmm. he, you know, made me grovel, but because right. he wanted to help me be like him. Right. Amen. But if you go down, then you can be lifted up. That's true. And uh, so please, if you hear this podcast, uh, no matter how many times you've been, no matter how many times you would, uh, you know, no matter how many times you prayed for revival and it didn't show up, (laughs) tie a knot in the end of your rope. (laughs) That God has said, because he always fulfills his promises. Amen. And he is not Amen. delayed. He's just moving us into his protocol. So, Amen. But uh, I encourage all of you to come. And Amen. I'm bringing a heart that sings and shouts and cries out to him because uh, whether it makes history or not, we're going to have an encounter with him. Amen. Amen. Well, it'll be written in the annals of eternity. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Would you just close with prayer? Father, we just call out to you as the God of glory. We think about your name. I confess to you that I don't think there's a person alive on the earth that fully understands your name. Mm. And yet you've offered us the ability to come into it. So right now, we just, by faith, we just step into your name. We ask for your name to come into us. You said in number six, if you speak this blessing over the children, I will write my name on their forehead, and I will surely bless them. So I just close this podcast by saying, Oh, my God, my Lord, my God. Oh, my Father, would you show them your face? Would you bless them with your name? Yes. Would you cause your face to shine upon them in a way that they can see again in our Mm -hmm. day? And no matter what their current condition, would you cause your glory to be 
lifted up upon them. Yes, Lord. And everyone that whispers your name, would you choose to keep them? Write their name in your book of life and seal it with your own. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Pray that you would not just let us encounter you, but, but stay with us. Come and stay with us. Yes, Lord. Let our heart be your hope. Yes, Lord. Seems like you're too big to fit in, little old me, but you are the living God. You can do whatever you want. Mm. So make our little hearts your hope. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. And transform it into anything you desire. Yes, Lord. That your name may be lifted up. That yes, all Lord. glory, all power, majesty, and honor will be handed over to you. Yes, Lord. All authority and power belong to you already. So we humble ourselves before you. And we ask for you. We don't ask for power. We don't ask for miracles. We don't ask for salvations. We don't ask for name or notoriety or for wealth or for blessing. We ask for you. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. In our day, find a way to give us more of you. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Thank you, Father. And we'll do our very best to give you all of us. Yes, Jesus. So let your grace rain down upon us, enabling us to give you all of ourselves, holding nothing back from you. Yes. And whether it's broken or whether it's already fixed, we pray that you would treasure us as your creation. Yes, Lord that we would somehow become a glorious gift in your hands. Yes, Father. That you would put a great joy in giving to your Son as our King. And we just bow our knee and we say, Jesus is our King. Yes, Yes, thank you. And you are our Father. Yes, Father. Now send the Holy Spirit to help us. Yes. Yes, And send the angels that accompany your glory. Yes. To help us. Mm. And say to the harvesting angels, mount up and get ready. Because yes. we're yes. going to need them. Yes. And then I ask you yes. to draw a circle around that little spot in Arkansas. Mm. <laughs> and call Gwen Shaw over to your throne. Yes. And tell her thank you for her sacrifice. Thank you, Father. And for her stewardship. With uplifted hand, swear an oath to her in front of your holy angels that you will do on that spot what brings you glory. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So, listener, wherever you are in the world, if you can get here, and the Lord says get here, Please get here. We need every part of the body that is supposed to be present for these meetings to be here. And if you can't get here, you can join us live on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. And if you're hearing this in the archives later, you can go back and 
watch it from the archives, and you'll still get that impartation that the Lord has for you as you engage with him. This is about engaging with him. We're meeting together for the purpose of engaging with him. Thank you, Father. So we welcome you to come. We welcome you to view. We welcome you to be where God wants you to be. Go to our website, to globaloutpouring.net. There will be a link there that will get you to the page that tells you all about the details of, of coming here to this event. And we bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.